If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! I'm the father of two children with cerebral palsy. They certainly were very instrumental in me choosing the field of pediatric orthopedics and have been really my guiding light in how I have pursued my career. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and that is the voice of Dr. Wade Schrader. Dr. Schrader is not only the father of two sons living with cerebral palsy, he is a physician, a surgeon, and the chief of the Division of Cerebral Palsy inside the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Delaware. He came to Nemours in 2018 by way of training at the Mayo Clinic and has also spent time in clinical practice and research at pediatric institutions in Texas, Arizona, and his home state of Mississippi. In addition to his division chief role, Dr. Schrader is also the medical director of the Gate Lab, which helps analyze the way patients walk, which in turn provides vital information for their clinical care. And he holds the honorific title as the Dr. Freeman Miller Endowed Chair of Cerebral Palsy. Dr. Miller was Dr. Schrader's predecessor here at Nemours, founder of our internationally recognized CP program, and something of a mentor to Dr. Schrader. We'll get to all that in this podcast, but first, what is CP, cerebral palsy? Who better to ask than an expert? Here's Dr. Wade Schrader. Yeah, so CP is a really broad term. It's actually not a great term that describes what the condition that a lot of our kids have. It's basically a neurological disability that starts at birth or around the time of birth uh, that primarily interferes with your muscle coordination and how you control your muscles. So it's a, it's a really wide spectrum. Some kids are able to run and play and have some issues with some balance and coordination. That would be very mild cerebral palsy. And some kids, of course, are much more severely affected and really have trouble moving any other muscles in there. They really require movement and care in their wheelchair and everything in between. It's a vast range. Is it genetic? Is it something that happens as a result of childbirth? How does it occur? What's the origin? Yeah, that's a great question. So traditionally, CP would come about from a traumatic birth like your cord wrapped around your neck or difficulty progressing where you lost oxygen to your brain. It's a little bit like having a stroke when you're, when you're being born. And certainly sometimes we do have kids that have strokes and that's another type of CP. The most common type of CP today though is from prematurity. Children that are very, very premature, they're very susceptible to some bleeds in their brain uh, that can cause that disability. And then there's a, you ask about the genetic component, and that's a brand new field, really. We, we take care of a lot of kids that had what we term 
CP-like condition. And those things might be certain genetic disorders. They might be chromosomal abnormalities. They might be some um, congenital brain abnormalities or infections that happen around the time of birth. But the genetic things are really quite fascinating because even if it's not a clear genetic cause, in some areas of CP, some of the kids may be predisposed to developing CP based on an injury, based on their genetics. And so we're actually a part of a national genetic study where we're recruiting patients as part of the CP research network to try to better understand. It's absolutely fascinating stuff, but I want to back up for a moment. What prompted you to enter the field of medicine? Is there a story behind that? Yeah, there's a couple of stories there. I'm happy to share that. So I was an engineer first. I actually worked at NASA for a few years before I went to medical school. Uh, I was an aerospace engineer, um, really enjoyed working for the space program, but wanted to work for something in public service. And then lots of things kind of changed in the early 90s. The end of the Cold War really changed our whole defense space program. And around that time, we, I was a newlywed and my wife and I were around a lot of a lot of issues in healthcare. Uh, my father-in-law had cancer and died at a very young age. And we were around a lot of kids with disabilities. We had friends that had a child with cerebral palsy and a child with spina bifida. And we worked with some of those kids at our church. So when, when it became obvious that I, that I probably wasn't going to stay at NASA long-term because I was really worried about, you know, working for 20 years and really not being able to accomplish some, something of meaning, I started thinking about going to medical school. My engineering training, I played sports all through high school and college. I thought about orthopedics and I thought I was going to go into orthopedics. But then during medical school, my wife was in grad school working and we thought we'd start a family. She has multiples on both sides of her family. And so she had triplets. We had triplets in the middle of medical school. And they were born very early, two boys and a girl. And our, and our two sons had very typical developmental delays consistent with cerebral palsy. And so at the age of one, they were diagnosed with CP, uh, which had a big influence on my career. Then after that, I, I still thought about going into orthopedics. I was still thinking about doing joint replacements or sports. And then during my residency at the Mayo Clinic, when I did my peds rotation, I actually you know, was taking care of kids and families of families with children with CP. And I just felt this calling, you know, I was able to talk to the family in a little bit different way than my attendings who were great physicians, but I was able to connect with those families and just felt like that was my purpose in life then was to really try to help other families. So you really found your purpose being inspired by your sons. Talk about that unique perspective that you have as the parent of two children, now adults, with CP and how that helps you relate to your patients and their families. It certainly, it certainly influences everything that I do. I, of course, you know, you go through all your training and then practice. I've been doing this for 20 years now. And so, you know, you apply that practice to all of your patients to try to help them with your experience. But I also approach all those families with my experience of being a parent. And although we may not have the exact same pathway or experience path as parents, you know, between my two sons, They've actually had just about every orthopedic surgery we do for children with cerebral palsy. So a lot of my families have heard about my family. So they ask me questions about that. Uh, Nemours is 
has done a great job kind of really helping us reach out to the to the disabled community and and have shown some videos of my family and so lots of people come and ask about that and and i try to be as open as i can be sharing my experience trying to help project that you know onto their experience but also trying to be sensitive of their own unique perspectives so what drew you to Nemours in particular Nemours in delaware AI DuPont Hospital for Children, as it's formally called, really started out as an orthopedic-only institution, right? So the legacy of pediatric orthopedics in this institution is incredibly rich. I mentioned Dr. Friedman Miller before. He really is considered really the grandfather of American terrible policy treatment, both surgical technique as well as really making a focus on family-centered care for our kids. So, you know, early on, I tried to kind of piggyback on to Freeman. I would go to all his classes. Uh, I came here and, and, you know, went to, came to the tutorial that we give every year for cerebral palsy treatment. I started doing some research and some classes with him where I was faculty with him. And I, I tried to place a little bit, you know, plan a little bit of Nemours in Arizona and then in Mississippi, I really tried to model a lot of those programs after that. So, you know, when the opportunity came to take over for Freeman, obviously that was huge shoes to fill. But what a great opportunity to come to a place that really prioritizes the care of children with disabilities. It's not about the dollars and it's not about, you know, all insurance billings and everything. There, there truly is a sense of mission here. And I thought that all the way from the from the executive suite, all the way down to every person that uh, that touches these kids when they're here, and it's just not that's not a that's not an a, an environment and culture that you find in a lot of areas in American healthcare. And so I really wanted to be a part of that, and felt that I could come here with my perspective and and really try to broaden that focus on family centered care. It sounds like your predecessor may have also been your mentor in some ways. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, he, he certainly has. I didn't do my training here. I did my training at, at Dallas, Texas. There's another large pediatric orthopedic-only hospital, very similar to what DuPont was back in the early days. But certainly, I, I tried to pattern a lot of my practice after Freeman. You know, we're, we're excited to honor him, both with this endowment as well as some upcoming Lifetime Achievement Awards that he's going to be getting. And so it really is a special, special opportunity to be able to still, um, to obviously follow in his footsteps and honor his legacy, but still be able to, to draw on his experience and advice. Let me ask this question. Patient stories, are there any that stay with you? I mean, obviously your personal story stays with you, but any of the patients that you've served over the years or their families that you might be able to share that stays with you and, and still inspires your work? You know, there's, there's so many, it's not, it's hard to, it's hard to pick one or two. Certainly there's a, there's an example of a young boy who came to us at a very young age with some fairly significant gait impairments. And we really kind of followed him along over, over through the years and was able to really determine exactly what we needed to do to help him walk better and underwent a big huge surgery with a lot of rehab after that and um he was able to to really start achieving his goals and start playing in little league and then even going up and played some sports in high school 
which I don't think we would have been able to do that without, without our activities. To, so without our intervention. So, you know, certainly he's a very close family, you know, to, to me and my heart. I think about him all the time. Yeah. And then at the other spectrum, you know, there's kids that who have significant disabilities, um, who, um, you know, our surgeries probably aren't improving their function very much, but we certainly want to do everything we can to make them as comfortable as possible and improve their quality of life. And, 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 you know, some of those families are probably some of the ones that I'm the closest with to be able to, to maybe prevent some pain or some uh, misery for those kids and, and potentially even prolong their lives and help them be a part of their family for an extended period of time has really been a, a huge inspiration for me and um, certainly something I'm very proud of. How do you take care of yourself, both physically and emotionally? You're opening yourself up to some very difficult family situations. How do you take care of yourself? That's a great question. I mean, honestly, it's it's a challenge for me. Uh, early in my career, quite honestly, there was some times where I wasn't sure that I was going to stay doing this. Uh, you know, in orthopedics, you can do lots of different things. You can do hip and knee replacements. You can do trauma. And while I found my, my, the CP aspect of my career rewarding, it also was quite hard. Sometimes I felt that I was projecting my kids too much on my patients. And then, of course, when I went home, we were still living a lot of cerebral palsy and I'd project things from my patients onto my kids. And so that's been a, a continuous journey for me to try to continue to grow through that. From in terms of kind of physically recharging, I'm, I'm, I love taking vacations with my family and traveling with them as much as we can. We really try to, to be pioneers and, and be an advocate for wheelchair travel, which is actually kind of a big deal. There's a lot of issues about, you know, airlines with travel and hotels with travel and things like that. So um, my wife even writes a little bit of a blog about that. And so we, we have tried to be advocates even at the federal legislative levels for things along those lines. But, but yeah, that's how I kind of stay rejuvenated about that. I love watching sports. And so, you know, between when I get some time off, I try to enjoy my leisure time. And your sons are doing well? They are doing well. So the kids are 20, the triplets are 25. We have a younger daughter that's 16. So you mentioned some of the way I rejuvenate. She's very active in her high school athletics and softball. And so we do a lot with that right now. Uh, but so the, the triplets are 25 they, they're, they're doing really quite well. They were able to go to college, uh, and, and excel there. My son, who's Benjamin, who's in a wheelchair, needed a little bit more help going through college. There was, he lived with us for three years. One year he was able to live independently on his, his campus at a small college. He worked through a organization through the state of Delaware, try, uh, that's forming a self-advocacy program for citizens with disabilities. And so he helped write that grant with the director of, of advocacy for that program called Rise Delaware. Uh, he still lives with us uh, and has aides that come to his house to kind of help him be a little bit more independent in life. My other son is in um, graduate school studying bioarchaeology, and he's actually looking at the effects of disabilities in the ancient world, which is quite, quite fascinating. He's going to be applied to go off to his PT, P, uh, PhD program. And then our daughter, Claire, who does not have cerebral palsy, she's finishing up her occupational therapy degree and is going to work with children with cerebral palsy. That's amazing. 
Talk about the pandemic. How did that affect and change the way you work with patients and families? Yeah, I think pandemic has affected our particular practice in a in a number of ways. Um, first of all, we you know we shut down in the first few weeks where we were worried about you know the the contagiousness of it, and um, we were taking a lot of trauma call and taking care of kids with infections and trauma, and we're doing a lot of elective practices. But we we book out surgeries really out to up to a year or more. There's so, there's so many kids that need our services, so. We had to kind of make up that ground that we were away for COVID for a while. So when we started back doing elective practice surgery again, we were quite busy. And then, then we found this wave of patients coming in who weren't in school, right? They weren't getting their normal physical therapy. They weren't getting their normal physical activity. And they were regressing quite rapidly. And so, you know, that's a part of the pandemic that, that, really is not discussed very much, but in our world, you know, kids that had tight muscles or had joint contractures or pain, it just kind of went through the roof because they weren't getting the same level of services that they were getting before. And that still hasn't really recovered since then. So we've actually been busier than I've ever been before in my career, making up for the fact that a lot of these kids lost their preventative services, and now, unfortunately, they need surgical treatment. That's an aspect I never even thought of. Thank you for raising that. Talk about your team. You don't do this in a vacuum by any means. The Department of Orthopedic Surgery is quite large here in Delaware. We have uh, three surgeons that focus specifically on kids with cerebral palsy and other neuromuscular type dis- disabilities. We have uh, a team of advanced practice practitioners, PAs, and nurse practitioners behind them uh, with um, multiple administrative assistants, cast techs. Uh, We have truly multidisciplinary care outside of orthopedics with physical medicine and rehabilitation, complex pediatrics, neurosurgery, therapy services. We have multiple clinic opportunities where we're able to see those families kind of all together and provide a group, a group analysis, and uh, really, you know, two minds are better than one. Put our heads together so that we can come up with the best treatment strategy. Uh, the rehab program I mentioned is really second to none. I, my outcomes from surgery are better here than they've been anywhere else because we have this amazing rehab program, both inpatient and outpatient rehabilitation. We have five physical therapists in our gate lab. We have two PhDs. The Gate Lab was one of a, one of Dr. Miller's, you know, prime achievements. One of the first accredited Gate Labs in the country that really helped us determine both uh, treatment decisions as well as doing research. And then that's the other area that we're really, really active in is doing research on different types of treatment outcomes, looking at different family psychosocial things that are a new, new area of research that we're doing. We're partnering with behavioral health and social work to have some of those services embedded into our clinic. Yeah, I could just talk all day about the team. It's really just an impressive, impressive group of people that come together to make these children and their families' lives better. Any words of wisdom that you have for your colleagues who might be listening? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's important to recognize. You asked about how I cannot deal with with some of some of my own emotional 
you know, emotional challenges of, of taking care of kids with disabilities. I mean, I think it's, it's important to acknowledge when we take care of some of these really sick kids and, you know, there's lots of other areas of our organization that takes care of really sick kids with life threat diseases and disorders. It's okay to, to understand and to self-reflect that that's sometimes hard and it's hard for us. And, um, you know, do figure out whatever way that you need to do to kind of recognize that and deal with that process that and recover from that. Uh, because there's so many families that, that rely on us and, um, you know, not everybody has the privilege of taking care of these families like we do. And it is truly a great privilege. Dr. Wade Schrader is the chief of the Division of Cerebral Palsy in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery and holder of the Dr. Freeman Miller Endowed Chair of Cerebral Palsy at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Delaware. The Nemours Champions for Children podcast features the stories of associates like Dr. Schrader and like you. In fact, next time around, we begin a journey to learn more about precision medicine here at Nemours, getting the basics on what it is and how Nemours is pioneering this new field of pediatrics. Please join us. And don't forget, your story is worth telling. But first, we need to hear from you. Email us your ideas at podcast at That's podcast at Our production team this week includes Peter Adebi, Allison Kraft, Deborah Griffin, and Savannah Pettit. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. The podcast is available on Nemoorsnet and the Nemours Now app, along with your favorite podcast app and your smart speaker. On behalf of Dr. Wade Schrader, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for listening to this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, stay cool, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve.